Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Uh, well, good evening. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor, if you're new around here. And I'm excited uh, about what's going on at the church in general uh, as we are moving towards Easter weekend. And I was having some conversations uh, with some people really about uh, the bigger issues of faith. And in fact, uh, right after Easter weekend, uh, there's a new series called The Big Stuff, where, it, you know, the, those those big things when it comes to issues of life and faith that you've wondered about, uh, we're going to tackle those head on and even take some of your uh, questions. But I was having some conversations and uh, with some people who were saying, you know, that maybe uh, they were being dissuaded from faith or they had, uh, they had kids who were being dissuaded from faith. And uh, I was thinking about that and just how much sense the gospel makes. And when you look at what we celebrate in a couple, uh, or actually next week, uh, that we can have confidence in our faith. Uh, don't, don't let, you know, some, uh, some uh, amateur philosopher keep you from a life-giving faith. Because we can stake our life in eternity on what God has done uh, for us. And it's reasonable. It's a reasonable faith. Uh, I, I hope that you're going to come next week. We're going to have a lot of fun, and uh, we will honor any guests that you bring. We will uh, do that in a way where if they're, you know, new to this whole church thing, uh, that they're, they're not going to feel embarrassed or anything. But I, but I think what God wants to do is uh, help maybe some of us who are even here today who feel like when we're on the outside of faith that we have some barriers, whether they're personal, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's uh, just some of our doubts. And God is going to meet people in a, a powerful way. Uh, last year we had, I think, around 7,500 people in our services across our campuses. And we're excited uh, for what God is going to do. Well, today I'm, I'm closing out a series based on the book of Ephesians uh, called Antisocial. Uh, we know what God has created us for, connection and community. And, and we were looking at those things that keep us from that, whether it's not getting what we need in relationship with other people, whether it's uh, ethnic and racial uh, divides that uh, can be created and, and what God has created us for is uh, a great diversity yet unity in Him. Uh, last week I looked at how we can be sometimes antisocial with uh, God. And today, uh, as we finish up this series, I'm looking at antisocial at home. And uh, what I want to do in particular, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 primarily, uh, but, and I could go really broad on this, but I want to narrow it into uh, a relationship with your significant other. Uh, if you have a significant other or you're married, uh, this will have uh, r great implications for your relationship. And you might say, hey, Ben, uh, you know, I'm, 
I'm not even here, and, and I don't, I'm not even dating yet. If that's you, don't worry. I got you covered because I have a whole bunch of new pickup lines, and you need to use these. <laughs> okay, here's one. Uh, you must be a broom because you're sweeping me off my feet. Pretty good? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's not that good, is it? Do you believe in love at first sight, or should I walk by again? Come on, what's the matter? These are good. <laughs> These weren't 25 years ago. I want to let you know. Uh, okay, here's another one. Uh, I think. <laughs> okay, you must be... Uh, okay, well, okay, here we are. Uh, well, here I am. What are your other two wishes? <laughs> are you religious because you're the answer to my prayers? Are you an overdue library book? Because you got fine written all over you. <laughs> yeah, those are pretty bad, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Well, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to uh, relationship, marriage, uh, relationship in particular, or if you're in that dating uh, phase as well, it, it can be a little bit tricky. And in fact, I would say that often when people come and they want to meet with me, it's because there's some level of struggle when it comes to that relationship. Or maybe they're on the recovery end of a broken relationship. It's funny, is that thing that God created to give us the really life here on earth, something that would be life-giving, can sometimes be life-taking. And why does that happen? Does that catch God by surprise? Or does God have something better for us. We're going to look at a passage from Ephesians, and it's a passage, part of it, that my wife selected to be read at our wedding. And it's one that's often taken out of context, and it's talking about how you come together in the role that God created you for mutual submission, and it talks about that. And I remember her sister really didn't like that when it talked about, you know, wives, submit your husbands, in the context of mutual submission. And uh, my wife didn't mind what that said at all, because it said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And Jesus died for the church, and she was fine with me dying for her. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, but oftentimes, there's really just uh, people don't get the broader context. Again, that's a concern I have in our uh, society. D don't, don't let someone who doesn't know the scriptures take something out of context and ruin it for you. Get someone who knows what they're really talking about. Because God has a plan for this to be life giving for you. Well, we don't like to submit to anyone. That's another problem uh, that we have. And uh, also, uh, we, we don't read and understand this next part either, where it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her uh, to make her holy, cleansing her by the, water and the, wa uh, by the washing with the water through the word, and to present to her himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or other blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. By the way, is that true or what? Because if you don't, you're in trouble. Yeah, that's right. The, uh, the truth is, is that God has created us for this relationship. 
and that uh, most of us at some point will be married. Uh, some of us won't, and that's, that, that doesn't make you less than uh, at all. In fact, God says there's a special grace for people who are going to stay single uh, their whole life. The ultimate goal is this, Ephesians 5.33. It says, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. But here's the problem, and the problem is this, is that we fail to live up to the ideal. We fail to live up to the ideal. My wife and I have been married uh, for uh, 25 years next month, which is a, a great accomplishment on her part that she has uh, put up with me for 25 years. And, and we didn't get this right uh, to begin with. Everyone in my family, every brother and sister, my parents have uh, been uh, divorced multiple times. I didn't really have uh, a construct for what a good marriage would be like. Uh, my wife, her, uh, some of her brothers and sisters sort of have gone down that same road. And I know some of you have been there, and it's been painful. Uh, and, and we were probably heading on that road. Uh, I didn't know anything about uh, uh, communication in a marriage. Uh, I would ask, my, my wife would come in and she'd have a concerned look, and uh, I'd say, uh, is anything wrong? And she'd go, uh, no, I'm fine. And I'm like, cool, okay, I'm going to go back to watching TV. <laughs> and, then, and then later she would say, no, really, something is wrong. And I could tell, I could tell by the look on her face and like that cold breeze like on the Arctic tundra going across the, uh, uh, the living room. And uh, I, I couldn't really understand where she was coming from. And she couldn't understand where I was coming from. And we realized as we looked into it that our marriage was set in the context of how we had received and experienced love in our life along the way. And so what I want to do is I want to look at, I have a great uh, resource, a book that uh, I think I mentioned last week, How We Love uh, by Milan and Kay Yurkovich. And they talk about uh, toxic love styles that we can have that are rooted uh, in really how we grew up. You may have had a great parents, but no parent is perfect. And I just want you, as you hear these, and I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to read uh, some of these descriptions so I don't mess them up. And see if you identify with any of these. The first one is called the avoider. Uh, it says, coming from homes that are low in affection, but often place high value on independence and self-reliance, the avoider grows up learning only to take care of themselves, to deal with anxiety of having so little comfort and nurturing from their parents, they learn to restrict their feelings and suppress their needs. As an adult, avoiders can seem emotionally distant or unengaged. Maybe that's you, that may, or the pleaser. Pleasers usually grow up in a home where the parent who is overly protective, angry, or critical. Pleaser children do everything they can to be good and avoid troubling their highly reactive parent. They learn to spend their energy comforting or appeasing the parent instead of receiving comfort themselves. As adults, pleasers tend to continually monitor the moods of those around them in an attempt to keep everyone happy. However, this can lead to resentment, an emotion that can break down a relationship or drive a pleaser to leave. There's a vacillator. Growing up with an unpredictable parent, vacillators' needs aren't taught priority. 
Without consistent parental affection, they develop the feelings of abandonment. And by the time the parent feels like giving again, their child is tired of waiting and angry to receive. As adults, vacillators are on a quest to find consistent love they never received as children. They idealize new relationships, but then they get tired of it uh, once life and the relationship gets less than perfect. You identify with any of these. The controller, we all know the controller, right? Uh, Controllers need to uh, control to ensure that the vulnerable negative feelings they experience uh, growing up are suppressed. Having control means protection from feelings like fear, humiliation, helplessness. However, anger is the one emotion that is not vulnerable, and so anger and intimidation are often used as a means to control. While control can be either highly rigid, sporadic, or unpredictable, controllers realize the true reason they feel that they need, or they rarely realize the true reason they need to be in charge. And then there's the victim. Kids who survive a chaotic home environment trying to stay under the radar, making themselves as invisible as possible, they'll hide and appease, learning how to escape into their own heads to lessen the pain from an angry, violent, chaotic parents. Victims lack a sense of self-worth or personhood and are often anxious and depressed. Rather than engage, they'll resort to just going through the motions in order to get by. Victims uh, may emulate their childhood by pursuing a relationship with a controller. When children are involved in such a relationship, the victim may even inflict their suppressed anger on their children whenever the controller is not present. Don't you feel like taking some Prozac right now? <laughs> You're like, that's depressing! And, and it is. There's a, there's a sense, is that the end of the story? Because my guess is you found yourself in one of those definitions. You, found, you say, you know, I don't know if, if I'm acting out that way, because often we can't see it. But when you talked about abandonment, or when you talk about love that wasn't given, or when you talk about the idea to be good all the time and perfectionist, that's, that's what I experienced. And, and the problem is, is we bring that into our relationships. And we, when we bring that into our relationships, it keeps us from the thing that God has intended us. If you read back in the book of uh, Genesis, it says the two were created to become one flesh. Where the authors in How We Love describe that is a secure connector. And a secure connector is someone who can give and receive love, who can evaluate criticism, who can say no and have boundaries without rejecting the people in their lives. And and as you hear that, you say, okay, that's what I want in my life and my relationships. We want that, but oftentimes we say, why don't I experience that? And that's because there's this thing called sin that gets in the way. It's where we miss the mark, is where we take the hurt we've experienced, and sometimes we hurt those around us. And so how do, we, how do we move on in a different direction? I think we, as we look at the Scripture, we see how Jesus 
loved the people around him. And we see a better way. And I think that can not only impact our relationships at work and our friendships and at church, but our relationship with our spouse, our significant other. It says in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, Jesus said, love one another, and as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so the idea is not just to love in, in our brokenness, where we take our tendency as a victim or a pleaser or a controller or as a vacillator or an avoider, but we say, how did Jesus love and how can that impact my relationships? How can that impact uh, my marriage? I, we've had to learn this over and over again uh, during the years. Do we uh, have it all set and perfect? No. But it's, it's a wonderful thing to say, you know, we're, this is the best point we've ever been in our relationship. And I think it's taken a lot of humility for my uh, wife and I as we, as we say, God, how can we be that one flesh that you desire for us? This first uh, point, and we're going right back to the book of Ephesians, uh, was essential for both of us was to choose to diffuse anger. Anger is uh, an emotion that no matter how we've experienced or not experienced love, as the author said, we can feel because it's not a vulnerable emotion. And so uh, what we do is we can go to that angry place. And it's okay to be angry from time to time. Because if you're, if you're with someone else, they have made you angry, right? You can't say anything. You can, you. You know, they, uh, uh, the Bible is so clear on this. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And so we get this idea where to be angry is not a sin in, uh, of itself, but it can lead to sin. And so... We're told, though, not to entertain that, that, that anger, not to stew on the things that really make us mad. I'm not saying don't deal with conflict areas. We've done, I've done whole messages on that. But to get rid of those things in our heart that can be corrosive. Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, with every other form of malice. So how do I do that? How do I get rid of bitterness? One of the things that you can do, if, you're, if, you, if there's bitterness from the past, and maybe it's not even the relationship you're in. I have seen this so many times, it drives me crazy. I've seen two wonderful people come together, and because of a previous marriage that uh, one of the two have had or both have had, they punish each other for the sins of their last spouse. And if you don't get rid of bitterness, that's what you will do. It, you, you carry it with you and it destroys not only your current happiness, but the future happiness that God has for you. And with bitterness, it's a letting go of the past. If someone owes you a debt and it's forgiving the debt, it's not saying what they did is okay. It's not saying... Uh, that they should have done something differently. 
It's doing, in a sense, what Jesus has done for us. He forgives us even before we ask for forgiveness. And then it talks about those other corrosives in a relationship. The second aspect of this is to express compassion, not contempt, for their love deficit. Every person has a love deficit. Every person, you know, you might say, well, you're a controller. By the way, don't go home and point out what your spouse is. That is not going to help anything. Uh, to express compassion, not contempt. I, I think I've, I've shared this before. I was walking, watching uh, Dr. Phil, of course, you know, which is where all great wisdom comes from. And uh, there was a lady who actually kept a list of all the bad things her husband did, and she gave him demerits every time he did it. How do you think their relationship was? And literally, she was like, I can't understand why we have a bad relationship. Uh, because, and by the way, what he did, I'm sure he did some things that were wrong. And, and here's the thing, and we talk about this a lot at Timberlake Church. She made a point, but she didn't make a difference in her relationship. Oh, she actually did make a difference. She ruined it. And you can do that. You can be right and ruin a relationship. Do you know that? That you can, your spouse has hurt you, and you can say, hey, I'm going to really let them know, and I'm going to be right, and, and that's okay. It's okay to point it out. But when we drive that home to the point with gracelessness, we're right and we ruin the relationship at the same time. The Scripture shows us a different way. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another how? Oh, you're not a very loving group, are you? Okay. You look like a mean service. I knew it when I came in here. Uh, that's why you didn't laugh at my jokes. But, or, so, uh, so be completely and humble. Uh, be, pa- be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in, in love. The idea of bearing, by the way, When you're bearing with someone, it doesn't mean because it's an easy situation. It means because it's difficult. And you're you're making allowances for the faults of others. And that's the very thing that Jesus has done for us. Dr. John Gottman, who uh, probably one of the best-known marriage researchers in the country, probably maybe the world, uh, is actually local. He uh, teaches at the University of Washington. Go Huskies. And he, he says, a marriage can survive almost anything except for one thing, contempt. Is when there's contempt. In fact, interestingly enough, uh, with 95% accuracies, he can observe a couple for 15 minutes and he'll tell them whether they'll be married in five years. Amazing. All he needs is 15 minutes, and he's going to be right 19 out of 20 times. And what he's looking for is contempt. And I know as I say that, some of you might say, well, I feel like my spouse shows contempt for me. And that's a horrible thing to endure. But the Bible always says we look first at ourselves and how we can respond in an opposite spirit, how we can show Love even in a difficult circumstance. I'm not saying don't get help. I'm not saying don't try to 
work through it, go to our re-engage, what, six, seven hundred people have done it. I can't tell you where I've talked to uh, people who've said, well, you know, I, I haven't done the re-engage marriage minute. Yeah, we have marriage problems, but I just don't have time for re-engage. Do you have time to live miserably? At some point, the pain is going to be great enough where you're going to have the humility to get help. And stop for, it's, you know, pointing out blame rather than solving the problem. One of the ways we do that is an alternative is to ask, how can I help you? And that's really uh, what the Bible means when it says in Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's a powerful question when we, when we start a relationship with the heart of a servant and we say, how can I serve you? And isn't that vulnerable to serve another person? It is. By the way, if you're dating, see if that's a person that you want to have that. If you say, you know, I wouldn't want to ask them how, to, how should I help them, then you know what you should do is you should break up with them. Give them the heave-ho, even today. You know, the, uh, because, because if you're not willing to live in that servant relationship, it's not worth investing in. My, uh, you know, as we've been married over the years, uh, it's been one of those things that God has completely changed my heart. Uh, we, we haven't, you know, we sort of have our things that we do in the household, and uh, I always say, hey, what would be something that I could do uh, to help my wife? Uh, she, she likes to sleep in a little bit in the morning, and so I make her breakfast in bed, which is sort of the, one of those things. Uh, and you're saying, oh, you're a great husband. Eh, there's a lot of things I do pretty bad, but that one thing I do, because uh, I can make bacon and eggs <laughs> and fruit. And it's one of those things that just says, I care about you. Uh, I've, I've been traveling a lot lately, and uh, so when I'm home, my wife, uh, she, she works uh, as well, and she's always concerned about the dog. She, it's sort of funny when, I, when I, I pick up the phone and give her a call, and I'm like, hey, how was your day? And she goes, oh, good. How's Jack? <laughs> what about me, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but it's sort of funny. She was like, did Jack get a walk? And I'm like, well, you know. And so, but, it, but by caring for the things that she cares about, it's showing care. See, oftentimes what we want to do is we want to care about the things we care about instead of what makes the person feel loved. One of the things that we can do in how can I help you is if you say, I don't know, I don't even know where to start, is to ask God and to pray for your spouse. And, and uh, you know, don't Pray that, you know, God change him. He's a pain in the butt. <laughs> uh, pray, that, that may be one of your prayers, but the, the prayer could be, God, could you, can you show me how I could represent you well in this marriage relationship? And that ultimately leads to the fourth aspect, which is make the end game the end game. Oftentimes when we're in a situation in a marriage relationship and we're feeling antisocial, we have conflict, 
You know what's happening? It's we focus on the conflict. We focus on the pain point. We focus on the offense. Instead of focusing on why, why did you come together in the first place? What brought you together? Why did you say, I do? And when we get back to that, that's what uh, the Yurkoviches, our authors who wrote uh, How We Love, would call being a secure connector. You know what the Bible calls it? It calls being one flesh. And Ephesians 5.31 says this, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. When we're on the outs with each other, when you're, when you're having this struggle in your relationship, I know it's not easy. I know the answers aren't simple. But the goal doesn't change. Is that God would clear through the clutter, the anger, the pain, maybe the way that we relate to one another that is unhealthy. And that we would... Get back to the goal. The two become one flesh. And, and see, the, the hard part, I think, sometimes is we say, how do we get there? We get there by having the heart that Jesus Christ has for us. We celebrate in a week Easter in that when we're separated from God, when we were on the outside because of our sin, that Jesus made the first move. And so my encouragement is, if you say, hey, you know, we're in a season a little bit of struggle, that you would follow the way of Jesus and that you would make the first move. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. 